Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. Today, as we edge into our big idea that we are called to courageous faith is prayer plays a major role in that step of faith. Amen? It, prayer moves the heart in the hand of the living God. Did you know that? Your prayers change things. Amen? So if we're called to live a life of courageous faith, bold, outgoing faith, then we're going to need to know the heart of the Father. And the way we get to do that is we spend time vertically, right? Lord, I not just want to like give you my laundry list, right? Anybody ever do that where you're like, okay, God, for the next 35 minutes, I'm going to tell you everything I think you need to know. Okay, only I'm guilty. But I'm... But when we come into prayer, God, thank you. Thank you that I get to approach you this way. Thank you that you're a good father. And we begin to build relationship with him in that way. And then the Holy Spirit gives us those God heart prayers to pray back to the father about what he says in his word, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, your peace over Israel, your protection over all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world, right? You get to play a part of that. And that's really exciting. Young and old, the prayers of believers and what James tells us is the prayer of the righteous availeth much or has great power in its working. Because when we pray and God moves, what happens to our faith? It's built, right? You're like, whoa, God, you did the very thing that I asked you to do. And then you're like, man, I'm going to, Katie, bar the door. Look out, I'm coming. I'm going to tell you everything I think uh, You should do, God, because I'm just like a fifth grader, right? And then I want to pray, God, please, God, move on that situation. Change that life. Heal that body. Move. Will you press back darkness in the name of Jesus? And all of a sudden, this life of faith begins to be built up in us. But it requires us to step out of comfort sometimes, amen? Actually, most times. Because your flesh doesn't like to step out of comfortable places like your recliner or your couch or your garage or whatever thing you like to do that's easy, playing music. But no, faith causes us to have to step out and go, okay, God, this looks really big, but I trust you. Because you've proven yourself over and over and over again. And I'm going to choose to trust you. I want to read this over you before we start today too. In Romans chapter 8, I felt like the Lord said this was for somebody today. So we're just going to go ahead and read that because sometimes you come in, you're wrestling with faith and things that are going on and you're like, man, I just, I don't even know, man. I don't even know if like, God, if you're with me. And I think God wants to remind somebody today that he's with you. And it's just a good reminder for any of us. But in Romans 8, verse 35 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. It's a good promise to rally to, right? God, nothing that goes on is unseen by you. You're not surprised by it. But it may require me to step out in faith and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. I'm going to get rid of my comfort. 
God, I believe that you're a supernatural God and you've poured your spirit into me to use my life to advance your kingdom and I wanna be used that way. Pray that bold prayer. God, however you wanna use my life, use it. Holy Spirit, I know that you've been sealed to me at salvation and you're desiring to move in my life and through my life for others. However you need that to look for me, please move in my life. Start there. Because that'll, that'll mess with your comfort a little bit, amen? Because then you'll be in public and the Lord will be like, go pray for that one. And you're like, no, I don't, I don't want to. No, call them. Oh man, Lord, I haven't talked to them in six years. I don't even really like them that much. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit will prompt you, lead you, guide you, help you to live a life of bold faith. And I love Hebrews 11:6. It says that Lord, the Lord, that without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? And that he rewards those that diligently pursue him. Talking about the Lord. That's a good promise, right? Prayer. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer in Luke 19. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Prayer is powerful, right? It is like one of the greatest weapons you have as a believer. Your prayers, again, touch the heart of your heavenly father who loves you, who is concerned probably way more than you are about the thing that you're bringing to him. And he's like, bring it to me. Tell me all the stuff that's on your heart today and then let me respond to you. Because how do you know? Prayer is a two-way conversation, right, Martin Riley? It's just not a thing. Although the Lord wants to hear all of your stuff, right? Here's what I find is I build that relationship with the Holy Spirit in me and I'm praying. My prayers become unselfish, right? Because you'll start praying about that and you're like, well, Lord, I think I'm just, I think I just want to lean. I want to just pray for Burnett County today. I mean, I got a few things that I want to talk to you about, but I really want to see you move. God, I really want to see you transform Burnett County for the glory of God. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would change hearts and lives, that you would deal with hard circumstances that people are walking through, like Romans 8 says, and that Lord, you would give them hope and a future, right? You begin to pray different when you touch the heart of God in prayer. Now in our text today, Peter and John roll up on the temple in Acts chapter 3. If you want to turn there, I'm going to cherry pick. I'm going to try to, it's going to be kind of a storytelling thing. I'm going to grab pieces and, and we're going to talk about them. And then I want to share some thoughts and what I believe is the heart of the Lord for you today. But right there in that text, Peter and John are walking around. They're coming into the temple and they spot a crippled man. He's been crippled since birth, right? So he's been hanging out and his buddies drag him out to the, to the gate every day, the gate called Beautiful. And they put him there so he can basically beg for help and support and things. And I, this is not a miracle. I'm going to believe that I don't need these readers anymore, but I'm going to go for it. There we go. It's pretty bad. Jesus, heal my eyes. Okay. Um, but they come upon this man and it says that Peter and John both look intently upon him. They notice his need. So they roll up and the lame man, it says in verse five, looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. Boom. 
Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with him. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized it was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Can you imagine that narrative? Hey, lame, blind, you know, lame beggar guy. I've been there for 40 years. 40 years, born that way, lived his entire life at that gate, hoping, believing, just saying, man, could I just eat today? And then all of a sudden, in one instantaneous moment, the Holy Spirit in Peter and John calls them to pray for this guy. And I don't know, man. They were just, again, so connected to God this way. They were just walking in obedience, right? And they're, and they're like, okay, we see this guy. God, I think you want to do something crazy in this guy's life today. Hey, buddy, no gold, no silver today. But in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Do you know that you serve a miracle-working God? who still does those kind of things today? Today, he still does those kind of things today. He wants to move in your life and through your life. Like Scott was saying last week, he desires to build up this bold, courageous faith that no matter where we go, that we're walking in that obedience and that intense relationship because we've spent so much time vertically with the Lord crying out, building that relationship with the Holy Spirit that when we step out of our comfort zones in faith, then he moves in your life and power and does crazy cool things for the sake of the kingdom, right? You're like, oh, well, miraculous signs and wonders. Well, they all point back to who? Jesus. They all point back to the living God. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father going, good job, Peter and John. Well done, buddy. Guy gets radically healed. So that's miracle number one in our text today. But what is the result? The result is like this unhinged, crazy praise to God, right? This man is radically transformed. Immediately, the power of the Holy Spirit heals him and sets him free. Many of you have experienced that in your own personal lives. Freedom prayer. We've experienced physical healing, mental healing, heart healing, God revealing things that have been buried and rooted in our hearts, and then God also unrooting those things that have held people back from living a full life in Christ. But not only does God remove the root or reveal that thing to them, he actually replaces it with hope and truth and love and then relationship with him in a deep, intense way that some people have never experienced before. I'll tell you this, man, I, I ran hard from God. I, I didn't understand a lot of things in my youth. I knew that God was real. I never really doubted that, but I'd, I knew this far off God. But when I showed up chasing a pretty girl to church one day, I met the living God for the first time. He spoke to my heart. Now, people, I heard him audibly in my head. That's all I know. He said, are you done? And I'm like, man, am I done? I need you. I want you. I desire everything that you have for me, and I'm going to purpose, like Paul said, to know, you, to know you and to know you crucified, Lord, and that's it. However you want to teach me, lead me, guide me, fill me up, I'm game. Because my heart needed to be healed. My life needed to be transformed so that whatever he would call me to do later, 
that I would just be obedient to do. Amen? Opportunity will come in the life of a believer. Opportunity comes for Peter again here in our, in our text too. And we, we see him get the opportunity to preach the gospel again. Chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. So Peter starts stepping through this process of telling them about what's going on. He says, people of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us as though we made the man walk by our own power and godliness? Like they're saying, look, we didn't have anything to give him anyways. The God of heaven did this very thing for this man today because... He extended his hand in faith. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus you handed over and rejected before Pilate. So he begins to speak to their sin. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but... God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Peter says, look, repent and turn back. Anybody ever been there in this place today? God, I'm really sorry for wrecking my own life and wrecking the lives around me. I need you. I want to know you this way. I want to know you an intense, deep relationship that I recognize the opportunities I remember one time I was in church and the Lord said, I need you to encourage this lady. And I was a little bit freaked out, to tell you the honest truth. He said, I need you to share some things with her. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. It's super uncomfortable. My flesh did not want to. So I looked at her. I was was wrestling with God. I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, I know you want me to, but it's uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to. I'm kind of early on in my faith, right? So I didn't. And I walked away super grieved that day. Because I knew in my heart that I was disobedient and I missed an opportunity to encourage somebody with the goodness of God. And I'm like, man, and I'm just having my conversation with God. I'm like, I felt like an idiot, right? I missed, I missed that opportunity. So for three months, I remember praying and walking this thing out with God. And the Lord was dealing with me like on my, on my heart and my response to him. And as a good dad, lovingly taking me kind of through some paces And for three months, man, I was like, I really felt like I was praying. Ever pray and you feel like it just goes bloop, like you throw a football, like, and it just goes clunk, falls short. I felt like all my prayers were falling short. And I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I repent. I I missed the opportunity. But Lord, please don't let me miss the next one, right? Because he's not a a bad dad. He's He's not a guilt, shame, and condemnation dad. So three months later, that same lady comes back to church. That's confirmation, right? I'm like, oh, it's the lady. And then the Holy Spirit goes, do you remember what I told you to say? I'm like, boy, howdy, do I? I went right up to her. I'm like, ma'am, I don't know what's going on in your life, but this is what I feel like God laid on my heart for you. And she began to weep. And I shared what the Lord had laid on my heart three months ago when I was disobedient. But you know what the good thing about God is? God got glory in that moment because he taught his son a very valuable lesson as a good, loving dad with good conviction where I was willing to repent and say, Lord, change my heart. I, do not, I don't want to miss that opportunity ever, ever, ever again. And he also, three months later, the very thing that he knew I was going to be disobedient with was still relevant for her. How awesome is that? 
How good is that? How great of a God do we serve? Even when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we're, when we're disobedient and we know we're kind of grinding the gears, he goes, but I'm still gonna teach you something and I'm still gonna love you and I'm still gonna use you and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make that thing that you missed be a win for the kingdom. Amen? That's just one story. I could share them probably all day about my blunt, thick scoldness and my inability to do sometimes what the God is asking me to do, but I want the Holy Spirit to soften my heart. I desire however he wants to use my life to be used because I want to step out in faith and see him move. I want to step out in faith and preach the gospel and see people's lives change for the glory of Jesus Christ for the expansion of the kingdom. Amen? Not about me, but we get to be used by God. That is so cool, y'all. He wants to use you. He wants to move in your life in a personal way and then use you in a powerful way outward bound. If you came today and you're wrestling with the reality of God, here's the thing. God loves you. Amen? God sees you. He hears your prayers and he desires to move into relationship with you. Like Morgan was sharing about that girl from the school. He desires to know you. And I... I would just say, just say yes, amen? If you came doubting the reality of God, just say yes. Some of you, I feel like you're on the cusp of like saying yes, and you're like, I've been coming to church for a while. I'm not sure I really know God that well, but I want to. Just say yes. One of the most powerful prayers I ever saw was in Hawaii with the big, big guy at the altar, and he was just sobbing, and he had one hand up, and he's like, Father, that's really all he could get out of his mouth, and he was just crying out to God. That wasn't some crazy like prayer of repentance. Let me lead you in this thing. He was just crying out to God, sobbing, experiencing the goodness and the love of God and salvation in that moment. It doesn't have to be a bunch of words, right? It needs to be a genuine heart that says, God, I, I know I need you and I want to seize every opportunity and it starts with me. You're going to experience opposition in your bold faith. In your pursuit of God, building a deep relationship, you will have opposition, right? I mean, Peter and John, we see it here in chapter 3. So they do all this. Peter, Peter rips this message, and then it says while they were speaking, they were in the beginning of chapter 4, it says while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed, Probably because they were quaking in their boots, amen? They were disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there was resurrection from the dead. They arrested them and threw them in jail because it was already late at night. Nice reception. What I love on the tail end of that is, but it says this, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. And so the number of men who believed were about 5,000. And that kind of just leaves it on a soft end of the chapter. I'm like, what? 5,000 people got saved. Because of Peter and John's ridiculous boldness to preach the gospel, to seize the opportunity, even in opposition, 5,000 people would be saved. We'd have to have three services on Sunday, Pastor Scott. It'd be crazy. Everyone's like, no. Yeah, me too. Um, Here's the thing, 5,000 people radically get saved, and that says just men. So how many of those had wives? How many of those had children? Talk about a supernatural miracle of the Holy Spirit to touch 5,000 people that watched the man get healed, who heard Peter's message, and who responded? 
I want to see that happen in Burnett County. Amen, church? We should, right? Pastor, it's not about numbers. You're absolutely right. It has nothing to do with numbers. Because I'm a conservative number guy. I just want to say I'm a conservative numbers guy. But numbers of change hearts and lives, seizing the opportunity to grow in a relationship, to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and then respond outward bound would transform Burnett County, north, south, east, west, and beyond, amen? And I think that's what God wants to do in our hearts, right? Opposition, opposition from your family, opposition from people on your job. Opposition, sometimes you'll feel like, man, I thought you were my brother. I thought we believed the same things. You feel pressure from the inside, the outside, every angle, right? You feel reprimanded, maybe boxed up by religion sometimes. You will meet opposition. And then Jesus says, but take heart because I overcame the world. I, I in the Great Commission said, hey, by the way, I'm gonna send my spirit to live in your life and through your life. And I'm gonna go sit at the right hand of the Father and I'm gonna cheer you on and be like, go Johnny Ray, right? Yeah, go preach the gospel. Tell them about me. Man, lay hands on the sick people, Jesus says, and they will recover. Be my disciples Take the life of Christ in you, the Holy Spirit, and you duplicate that in the life of somebody else, and then they can duplicate it in the life of somebody else, and they can duplicate it in the life of somebody else. That's called discipleship, right? Jesus says, be my disciples, make disciples, transform this world for my glory. Amen? Verse 4 and 7, by what power? They're like, man, what power and what authority do these cats have to be doing this thing they're doing? Right? Verse 8 in chapter 4, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Question mark. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given them, given no other name by under heaven, which he must be saved. And I love this in verse 13. The members of the council were amazed because when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Uh-oh. Mean you don't need a degree to preach the gospel? No. Do you have to go to seminary, although I think it's great? No. Each and every believer in this place, if you've said yes to Jesus, stepped into relationship with him, you can effectively tell somebody, did you know that God so loved you, man, knew your name, counted the hairs on your head and your mother's womb before you were even born, and then sent his son to die for you to pour out his blood? John 3, 6, come on, y'all. John three sixteen. anybody can do this. He so loved you that he sent his one and only son to die for you. Do you want to know him? I mean, really, it can be that simple. I'm in Starbucks when I moved here in 2017. I'm having a conversation with a guy because Pastor Scott was like, dude, that's one of the greatest places to find lost people. So I just started going to Starbucks in Marble Falls. Okay, it's a great place. Um, and the guy's like, yeah, man, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, you should meet my friend. He took a bullet for me, poured out all his, poured out all his blood for me, man. Like just got in front, of the, in front of the truck for me. And the guy's like, man, you're talking about Jesus, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. 
I'm talking about simple stories, simple opportunities that we take and we step into the power of the Holy Spirit ignited with our faith, bold faith that goes, you know what? I don't care if I'm embarrassed in this moment. My father-in-law always say, Jeremy, you're going to have to be willing to be embarrassed for the sake of the kingdom. Will you do that? And I said, absolutely, because I was an idiot over here, right? So man, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit that God gave me, the very spirit of, of God that lives in heaven lives in me, empowers me to do great things, to lay hands on the sick and see them to recover, to command darkness to zip its lip and go back to the dark corner where it belongs in Jesus' name to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Put me in, coach. Because here's the thing at the end of the day. Will we be quiet about it? Because that's what the religious rulers were telling them. Hey, you guys have got to stop talking about this Jesus. You are messing up everything for us. And then Peter goes, man, you can pick for yourself whom you want to talk about or not, but we can't help but testify. We can't help but prophesy the word of the Lord because we've seen it. We have been with Jesus. Can you imagine the God, these guys just trying to rock their faith and we're like, dude, we show up and he casts demons and they go into pigs and they jump off a hill. We have walked with, the, with the God in the flesh, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, full of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs, wonders. I'm sorry, but we won't stop talking about Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's the bold faith that is in each and every person in this place today. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. I'm like, sorry, I can't. You're going to lock me up, go for it, throw away the key. Because then in the middle of the night, I'm going to be praying in the stocks in prison, and then God's going to bust open the doors. Amen? That's another great story where, you know, the whole jail blows up, and Paul's like, hey, we're all here, by the way. We were just worshiping God. He broke open the gates. We can't help it because what does Revelation tell us? We're overcomers by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and your story, the testimony of your story. The things that God have done in you that you can tell everybody about, man, let me tell you, I know that's a hard situation. I'm sorry that you're walking through that, but there is a God, a good God who loves you, who's whose word says that no matter what you do, no matter how far you feel like you've fallen, you cannot get out of his grace and his good love. Matter of fact, it tells us that his loving kindness draws us to a place of repentance, right? It's not fear of death. Here's the thing. When I gave my life to the Lord, I was like, I don't care. People would be like street preaching to me and they'd be like, you're gonna die and go to hell. I'm like, good, I'm all right. I'm headed there anyway, right? It was always this thing of fear and death and whatnot. And honestly, I just didn't care. So when I showed up the church that day and I heard a message of love and grace and goodness for me, that's what led me to repentance. That's what led me to the realization that, gosh, I want to know this God. Because here's the thing. I lived bold and uh, faithless in the world, right? I didn't care what people thought. I had no deal. I had no deal. Did not care. Didn't, didn't care about your opinion. So now on the Jesus side of my life, now I'm like, man, I can't help but stop talking about Jesus. I don't know what to do. I can't stop talking. I'm not going to stop talking. You can tell me 500 times that I should stop talking about Jesus, but I'm not going to do it. But I am going to be crafty in my approach, right? Hey, man, broken life, messed up. Hey, let me tell you my story. 
and how Jesus transformed my life. Let me, let me tell you about the overcomer who healed a 40-year-old man who had lived his entire life broken, now restored, praising God, leaping, telling everybody in the town about what God did. I'm going to close with this thought, shaken. Because at the tail end of this, the believers are like, oh no, we're in trouble. Like God's doing crazy things with our bold faith and our outward bound presentation of this gospel. I don't know what to do. So in verse 23, the title in my Bible says, the believers pray for courage. And Peter and John, man, they're just recounting all the things and the pressure from all these priests. And it says in verse 24, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. That is a beautiful picture, y'all. It's what we saw at the end of Acts in 242. They gathered together. They prayed together. They broke bread together. They, they gave all their stuff, their time, talents, and treasure to be together and worship God. And God was honoring their obedient, bold faith. And he was adding daily to the number of those that were being saved. And then it says this, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant saying, why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time in futile plans? The kings of the earth are prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, it has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, and the governor and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to whose will? God's will. Verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. And then they went out and preached the word of God with great boldness. Amen. Come on, stand up on your feet with me today. In their opposition, in the pressure of the world around them, everything going on, they were like, Lord, let our eyes and our hearts be focused upon you your purpose, your plan to be disciples that make disciples, to be the ones that will stand in the gap for those that are lost and hurting and seeking you, Jesus. Maybe this is your prayer today. Holy Spirit, I know I need you and I want to be empowered by you, but I don't even know what that looks like. It's okay. Been there, done that. So today I give you, I give you me. I give you my whole heart, everything I am today. And I say, just like Peter and John, will you fill me? Will you fill me with bold, courageous faith that won't stop talking about Jesus? Bold, courageous faith that will lead me to know that I can not just be a disciple, but that I can take the life of Christ in me and disciple somebody else and invest in the future of the kingdom of God. God, thank you for picking me. You could have picked anybody in the world, but you chose each and every person in this place today. That's you, church. Bold faith that, would, faith that would step out and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Whether it's a bum hip or a broken heart or cancer, God can deal with them all. Amen. So God, today we come before you. Lord, I know me, I just personally, I repent for not giving you enough space. 
in my selfishness, God, you're still good to us. So God, I just repent. Maybe that's your prayer today. Lord, I repent. I give you room. I give you all of me today in this moment, God, that you would move in my life and through my life for the glory of your kingdom, that everything would point to Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected, that we could have life forever with you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, I, I give you space. I give you room. I ask you to come in and change our lives today. Because God, you want to do something so significant here on this earth. And God, in the midst of all the things that are going on in the world, your call is still be my disciples, make disciples, preach the gospel, publicly proclaim my goodness to the lost and the hurting and the broken. And God, may we not deviate from that message. Holy Spirit, thank you. We give you space today. We invite you to come in and change our thought processes because we surely need you. Jesus, you were clear. You're going to need this Holy Spirit to accomplish everything I'm calling you, calling you to. So we submit to that today. We repent where we need to repent. We clear space. And God, during this time of worship, will you impact us? and change us that we would seize every opportunity, God, that you give us and deep, intense relationship with you, bathed in prayer for the sake of your kingdom, seizing every opportunity to preach the good news of Jesus. And we say yes and amen. For more messages and full services, visit hcfburnit.org or the Church Center app and connect with us on social media.